it's Maggie here, and we have a special podcast episode. We are interviewing author Karen Eamon on her new book, Reach Out, Gather In. This book is part devotional, part cookbook, part um, just practical guide for offering hospitality to the loved ones in your life and inviting people into your life. So we are talking everything from how to make your home an inviting home, how to practice hospitality even outside of your home, um, spiritual gifts, and also chocolate pumpkin bread. So you're going to want to make sure to listen in. Karen, today we are going to talk about your newest book, Reach Out, Gather In. Um, 40 Days to Opening Your Heart and Home. And this really focuses um, on hospitality from both a really practical standpoint, um, but also a spiritual standpoint. Karen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and sort of what led you to um, write this book? Sure. I live in Michigan and I'm married to my college sweetheart, Todd. We've been married over 30 years, and we have three adult children and one daughter-in-law, one Mm son-in-law, and one Alaskan Malmute grandpuppy. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that my son and his wife own. My son met his wife through my Instagram account. She had done one of my my books and Bible studies. That's so fun. Yeah, so it's kind of fun. And our daughter just got married in the midst of the pandemic. It wow. was supposed to be a, a family-only um, wedding in Spain, but instead she got married real quick. We planned it in eight hours. Oh, my got goodness. Got married in North Carolina, and uh, we all watched on Skype. Why she so. Well, congratulations. And, yeah, thanks. And I'm a speaker and author with Proverbs 31 Ministry. Mm-hmm. And this uh, newest book, Reach Out, Gather In, it's a 40-day challenge on opening your heart and home. And it's really something that I wrote because it's been quite a journey in my own life as an adult with the whole realm of hospitality. I grew up in a single-parent home. Mm -hmm. My mom lived on a budget so tight it squeaked. We didn't have nice things. We didn't really have people over or cook fancy meals or anything. She was just so busy putting macaroni and cheese on the table. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm married into a family full of people who could cook. And so one of them was an interior decorator Mm -hmm. for a living. The other one owned a bed and breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) And so here I come, you know, barely knowing how to boil water or make slice and bake cookies. Uh And I really kind of started out trying to impress my new family members. But God really taught me a lot about the difference between entertaining and hospitality and entertaining kind of puts the emphasis on you and seeks to impress people. But hospitality puts the emphasis on your guests and doesn't seek to impress them, but to refresh them. So God just really taught me a lot about what real biblical hospitality is and what part it plays in the church Mm -hmm. and in our communities. And um, just had me grow in this area over the last few decades. And I've had a lot of friends that say, wow, you should should write something about that. You should put your recipes and your cleaning and Uh decluttering tips in a book. And and so I kind of did it. It's not really straight devotional and it's mm-hmm. not um, really just a, a, a book that has content. It's more like an interactive journey. There's places to journal. There are practical things like recipes and tips, but then there's all the biblical content of yeah. what hospitality even is in the first place. Yeah. So that's what it is. It was such, um, I was, I was looking through it and it's such an interesting combination of 
um, spiritual and theological, like why we are hospitable because Christ has been hospitable to us, um, but also just really practical, like how how do you clean? I um, I like the shout out to the clean team because that's how my mom taught me to clean, so I appreciated oh, that. Yeah, yeah um, but yeah, it's it's such a cool combination of um, just really practical tips, but also the why behind why we're hospitable. Um, how is this book different from other books you've written? Well, I, I think it, it is because it is kind of a combination. It's not just a straight, what we call in the industry, a trade book, just mm-hmm. a nonfiction trade book, but it's not just a devotional either with just a little devotional entry each day. It's It's got some more meatier content that really dives into, you know, the Hebrew meaning in the Old Testament or the Greek meaning in the New Testament of some different words that have to do with hospitality. So it's got that biblical base, mm-hmm. but then there's some journaling spots where you, you know, write a one sentence prayer for the week. I mean, it's a 40 day journey, but it's more an eight week, five days a week journey because there are eight sections, five days per section. So I envision people doing it more over an eight week period just on the weekdays. So it'll have like a one sentence prayer on Monday. There's a memory verse on Tuesday. And uh, there's the biblical content on those first three days of the week. And then the fourth and fifth day are both practical. The fourth day will be something that's going to help you get your heart ready or help you get your home ready. And then the fifth day is always a recipe. So okay. there's, there's kind of a combination because what I, what I found was there were a lot of books out there about the why mm-hmm. of hospitality, but it didn't really show you the how. And then there's a lot of other books that show you how to mm-hmm. cook or clean or declutter your house or whatever, but they're just like an end in themselves. They, they show you how to do that, but they don't tell you why, like what's the, what's the importance of even getting your house ready. Yeah. So I wanted something that, that addressed both the why we should do it and the how to do it. And luckily, cause I turned it in just before COVID hit, luckily <laughs> there's a lot of ideas for taking your hospitality on the road Yes. that show you how to live a life of welcome that don't involve having people into your house so that there are things you can do socially distant too. Yeah. Can you talk with us a little bit about that? You talk in the book about hospitality outside of the home. And so what might that look like, especially like you mentioned, when people are, are being told not to have people in their homes? Right. Well, hospitality doesn't always mean you open your front door, a bunch of people march in, they sit down at your table and you feed them a big meal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we have that in our mind, yeah. you know, and that's, that's not what it always is. Living a life of welcome it's just making people feel wanted, noticed, and and loved wherever you are. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's somebody that's new to your child's sports team. There's a new family that moved in, and their child tried out for your child's sports team, and now they're standing on the sidelines with you, socially distanced, of course, watching the game. Well, what can you do, some little thing, to make them feel welcomed and that, mm-hmm. hey, I see you. I see that you're new. Sure. You know, there are things you can do that drop off things to people or drive by things yeah. to people. There's hospitality ideas for doing things through the mail, you know, sending a gift basket in a box mm-hmm. to a faraway friend during this time of COVID that you can't get together with, but you can pack that box full of all kinds of their favorite things and mm-hmm. some scripture verses to encourage them. It's all just about slowing down long enough to ask the Lord who in my life needs to feel that they're wanted and welcomed. Who needs to feel that they're noticed? And so God will give you ideas that don't necessarily involve 
having them into your home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think that this time has really given us a chance to be creative with how we show people that they're seen. Um, so like some of the things that you were mentioning, you know, I think mail, <laughs> I've sent a lot more mail more recently um, and written more notes and, you know, porch drop-offs and stuff like that. And it's been fun to sort of think about different ways to be creative, you know, to, to celebrate people and to show them that they're loved, um, even when we're not supposed to be um, together physically. Um, the, so what do you say, why do you think that there is a hesitation, you know, even before all of the COVID stuff hit, why do you think that there's a hesitation, um, to invite people into our homes? Well, I think that it's because we craft all sorts of excuses, you know, like (laughs) my house is too small. Uh, I don't know how to cook fancy meals. I don't have a professionally decorated home or, you know, the kids might not behave or my house is too messy or, you know, maybe some people now this isn't the case with me because I love to talk, but I know some people, you know, they're worried about how they're going to carry the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do an entire hour with no topic. So that's not an <laughs> issue for me, but I have some friends that are, that are more introverted and sure. they're like, you know, I'm not stressed about making a meal or getting a house ready. I just think, oh, they're going to be here a couple hours. What am I going to say? You know, so we have all of these excuses. And so sometimes it just shuts it down, you know, before we've even gotten out of the shoot because we think, well, these excuses, they're real and they're legit. And so I just can't have people over because my house isn't big. I don't know how to cook, all these things. But I think if we can learn to flip the script in our mind and not think about ourselves as hosts, Mm -hmm. And what we feel we have to do and we should do and the image we have to portray. But to think about when you're a guest in someone's house, do you really go over there thinking, boy, I hope they have a brand new big house or boy, I sure hope the food's fancy and gourmet. You know, we don't Mm -hmm. think about that at all. We, when we're a guest in someone's house, we just want to feel like they're happy to have us over and Mm -hmm. they're interested in our lives. And and we just want to sit and visit with them. That's great if they feed us something. It's nice if <laughs> the room's picked up and there's not clutter everywhere. But that's not what's most important. But when we think about being a host, we start to elevate all of those things we think are important, which really aren't. Now, that's not to say that in the book I don't give some strategies and ideas for having your house, you know, relatively clean and clutter-free. It doesn't have to be perfect. But I think what has happened, Maggie, is that we have just, taken social media and HGTV and all of these places where we see all of these, you know, uh, decorating shows and fancy foods and stuff. And they're all great. I mean, I get some great ideas off of those. We just put shiplap up in my living room. That's what I was on. Not saying we shouldn't use them as a resource. But what we do is we think if we can't mimic them as a lifestyle, then, well, we're not even going to try. Like if we can't pull out all the stops, with a fancy house and perfect food and just, you know, a showcase <laughs> hospitality session with someone, then we're just not going to do it all. That, that's just not, that's not what should, we should be doing. We can use those things as a resource, but know that they're not the most important thing. The most important thing is preparing your heart more than preparing your home and to really make your guests feel noticed, wanted, and welcomed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I know. And I think about you know, Pinterest and all of that and Instagram and all of the pictures that we're seeing and just how 
posed. Those pictures are like, those aren't even real. That's not really even what's happening within those homes. Um, and then I think about how much I appreciate when I go over to someone's home and it just feels, you know, not necessarily put together, but cozy and comfortable and how much I appreciate mm-hmm. when they're real with me. And it's, it's convicting from my end because yeah, I can definitely be guilty of the all or nothing mentality. Yeah. It's easy to fall into. <laughs> um, So the book ends with a story about a boy, one of your son's friends called that you call Second Grant. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I loved reading that story, um, and I'd love to sort of hear it from your your voice. Yeah, so our oldest two children were homeschooled all the way through, um, not because we're against public schools, but my husband works afternoons, and mm-hmm. he just never would have seen them if they were in a sure. traditional school setting. So they went to a homeschool academy two days a week, and so did my youngest one. But when my youngest was in the eighth grade, my husband was put on dates. So we uh, sent him to the local public school, and he got to know a lot of kids that he hadn't been friends with before. And as they moved on up through middle school and high school, Often our house was the hangout place for all of the football team and the baseball team. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mind that at all. Yeah. I wanted my house to be the hangout place when uh-huh. they were my kids were teenagers. You know, it's easier to eavesdrop through the registers that exactly. way and see what's going yes. on in the basement. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but he just started to have all kinds of kids over to our house. I just never knew from weekend to weekend how many kids were going to be there, how much food I needed, and, and who he was going to be bringing. But often I would be in my home office working away and I wouldn't even know that Spencer had come home nor who had, he had brought with him until I walked out of my office to go get another cup of coffee. And on my way to the kitchen, I would spy the foyer by my front door and there'd just be this mound of shoes, <laughs> this mound of boy shoes. Yes. And about that time, Spencer would bound up the stairs and I would say, oh, hey, you're home. Who'd you bring with you? And it seems like I just said that to him over and over again every weekend. Oh, hey, you're home. Who'd you bring with you? And he would rattle off a list of, you know, all these kids, Emilio and Butcher and Jabari and Grant and the other Grant. And mm-hmm. I called them first and second Grant. There was even a first, second, and third Jake. Oh, my goodness. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> second, second Grant was new to the school district, and I didn't really know a lot about him. I kind of stalked him a little bit on social media. I was trying to figure out, you know, Oh, what kind of kid is he? Is he a good influence or not? And I thought, you know, I'm just going to throw my arms open wide and just welcome him to our house. And so he became part of the gang of guys that were over every weekend. And I try really hard to not be always on my laptop when my kids were growing up. I didn't, I mean, I was writing books, but I didn't want them to remember that mom sure. always had her nose in the laptop. So <laughs> I try to strategically work when they're not around. And one time, that's really good for me is to just get up really early on Saturday mornings, like at six o'clock. And I know I'm usually good till nine thirty or 10 until the teenagers wake up in the basement. Mm-hmm. Well, that is until second grant became part of the game <laughs> and he's an early riser. Uh-huh. So it never failed. You know, I had my laptop out. So I, like, oh, I got a good three or four hours to work. I sit out by the fireplace, you know, all snuggled up having a cup of coconut mocha coffee and mm-hmm. up the stairs would bound second grant. And he'd plop himself on the couch and say, Hey, mama, what are you doing? And I was working on a message at the time that actually ended up becoming this book about really zeroing in on the people in your life, the person standing in front of you and seeing that as real ministry. And so he'd say, hey, Mama Karen, what are you doing? And I'm thinking, I'm trying to write a book. I'm noticing the person in front of you, if you would leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it was then that I really felt like the Lord said, oh, I get it, Karen. So you want to give the message. You just don't want to live it. And I thought, man, God's so bossy sometimes, you know? (laughs) So I would shut my laptop, have a cup of coffee with him. This went on and on and on for about nine months. And then one weekend when he was over and he popped up the stairs and poured himself a cup of coffee, plopped himself on the couch and he said, Hey, Mama Karen, I just wanted to, to know, what are you doing the third weekend in March, the third Sunday in March? And I thought, oh, there must be some big sports event on that they want me to make snacks for uh-huh. and they want to watch them down in the basement. And I said, let me check my calendar. I said, well, I'm not out speaking. I'm home that weekend. Why? What do you guys want to eat? And he said, oh, no, there's nothing on sports-wise that Sunday night. I've accepted Christ and I'm going to be baptized. Wow. And I want you and Mr. Eamon there in the front row. And I just, oh, my gosh, I started bawling. And I thought... Yeah. I almost missed it. You know, mm-hmm. I almost was so focused on my own thing that I didn't see the work God was doing in his life. Now, God used me, but it wasn't because of me. You know, mm-hmm. God does God does the calling and um, we don't have anything to do, you know, with who he calls and, and who responds. God would have still gotten to second Grant's heart if I hadn't been talking to him. Mm-hmm. But during those months, I, I tried to shut my laptop and just naturally leave God into the conversation. And talk to him about Christ. You know, the boys always would laugh. They always knew that Mama Karen's uh, cheesy corn chowder came with a side of a free sermon. <laughs> always you know, giving them these little sermonettes, you know. Yes. But I sat there at that baptism just bawling, you know. And, and it made me think back to the times that I saw that pile of shoes mm-hmm. on my, my front entryway. And I feel like when we get to heaven someday, you know, I, I wonder what God's going to say to us. You know, I don't think he's going to want to know all about our success in a career or even what a stellar parent we were and how our kids turned out. You know, what I imagine him saying is the same thing I always say to my son when I see that pile of shoes. And that Mm -hmm. is, oh, hey, you're home. Who'd you bring with you? And I think that we need to learn to focus on that person. You know, God brings ministry right in front of our nose. Mm -hmm. But so often we're so busy getting all of our stuff done, getting life done, that we don't notice those souls that he's plopped right in front of us that just want us to listen and to make them feel like they're noticed and they're welcome and they're wanted. Yes. Oh, that is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I, I love that you view hospitality, you know, not necessarily in inviting over other adults, Um, because I think that a lot of times as adults, that's what we think of hospitality as it's like throwing a dinner party or, you know, inviting other adults over, but really it's inviting whoever God brings us. And so I love, um, that you're, you're viewing kids through that lens too. I'm a children's minister, so that's really close to my heart. Mm. Um, and I love that. I love that kids need that as well. Um, what do you say to those who say that their spiritual gift is not hospitality? I know you talk a lot about spiritual gifts throughout the book. You talk about the spiritual gifts resume, but what do you say to those who say, well, that's just not in my wheelhouse? Well, you know, I feel like so often we think we have to have the gift of hospitality or we're off the hook, you know, mm-hmm. but that's not, that's not the case. I mean, the Bible says to offer hospitality and to do it without grumbling or complaining. You know, it's not written as a suggestion. It's written as a command. So we're kind of all hooked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we're not off the hook, <laughs> but we don't have to 
stress and fret that we don't have the gift of hospitality or that we don't have the certain makeup that somebody else who seems to just naturally lend themselves to being one who opens their home who talks to people who shares the gospel, we can really just go to the Lord and ask him to show us our unique puzzle piece in the mm-hmm. church and in, in life in general, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. You know, I think we all have passions. We all have talents. We all have spiritual giftings, and they're put together in a unique way for a reason. And so I actually have a section where I walk people through coming up with what their passions are Mm -hmm. and their talents and even their spiritual gifts and how they can use them to serve others. You know, maybe somebody's not got the gift of hospitality. I'm thinking of one person in particular, but you know what? They've got a skill at painting and hanging wallpaper Mm -hmm. and they can use that to help others in their community. I have a friend who just came over and helped me hang wallpaper and we spent about four hours talking about the Lord, you know, and it was such a great time um, of fellowship hanging wallpaper. Well, and wallpaper is not easy to hang. (laughs) No, it's not. So that's a gift in (laughs) itself. Yes, I think of another friend who's an excellent gardener. Like I mm-hmm. can grow herbs. I'm pretty good at herb gardening, but I'm not so great with the perennials uh-huh. and knowing what's in bloom and where to stagger them and what side of the house to put them on for the north sun or the south sun. But I have a friend who's great at that, and she eagerly uses that gift to bless other people in our circle of friends at church, and she'll go to someone's house and just spend two, three hours with them. You know, and I think of people that have the spiritual gifts of wisdom or encouragement and how I love to be around them because I I grow in knowledge Mm -hmm. or I feel lifted up. Whatever your unique package is, I think we need to learn to go to the Lord, ask him to help us to discover that, and then to be thankful for it and use it rather than get our eyes on someone else who seems to be gifted in all these other Mm -hmm. areas, which we are not. It's just a trick of Satan, I think, to get our eyes onto someone else and doing that old comparison game and then just feeling down rather than saying, okay, you know what? I'm not good at A, B, and C, but I am good at D, E, and F. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm going to focus on D, E, and F. And I think it's just extremely important because we all have a, a unique package and God has a plan for us in using our gifts, our talents, our passions, if we would just only stop long enough to, to make it a matter of prayer mm-hmm. and then to watch him work. Absolutely. Well, and if you if you broaden the lens of hospitality like you were earlier, where you know it's not necessarily inviting people into your home, but it's more about um, leaving them refreshed and helping them feel comfortable in whatever situation you're in, then that really broadens the skills that can be used um, to achieve mm-hmm. hospitality. Yeah. One of the things I absolutely loved about your book is that you include a lot of different recipes and there was like a lot of variety in the recipes. So I'm just curious, what was your favorite recipe that you included in the book? Oh, goodness. That's a hard question. (laughs) Um, I'm going to probably say there's a recipe that's actually been handed down through the years in my or my husband's family, mm-hmm. and it is their seven-layer salad. It's a traditional Midwest seven-layer salad, but I'm going to say that's probably my favorite because it's super easy. It's really pretty because you layer yeah. it in a, like a um, trifle dish, mm-hmm. you know, that's got yep. clear sides. And every place I take it, people always ask for the recipe, and it just disappears. So I'm going to say seven-layer salad. Yes, my parents are from the Midwest, so I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> I love it. 
Um, and, and the other one probably that's uh, close on the heels and I'm actually making today is my chocolate chip pumpkin bread. Everyone always asks for that recipe. Oh, that sounds perfect for today. That it's is a delicious. great October recipe. It tastes like recipe. pumpkin pie, but every, every couple bites, you know, you get this burst of dark chocolate. chocolate. So it's really good. Oh, yeah. that sounds really thing. great. Oh, man, I think I'm going to have to make that one this month. <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap up here. But before we do, the question that we always like to end our podcast on is, um, what is one step that a listener can take this week to reach out to others? What's one step they can take to sort of put the advice that you've given into practice this week? I like to encourage people to go find their old self. And mm-hmm. let me explain what that means. Yeah. To think back to a time in their life when maybe they hit a rough patch, they were going through a hard season, walking through a dark time, or maybe it was just even, you know, a particular circumstance, like they had young kids and they were a young mom of a bunch of little children, or they had a cross-country move and they didn't know a soul. But be on the lookout for somebody who was in a situation that you once were and do something to lighten their load or to reach out and encourage them. I often have done this with children of divorce. I was from a broken home at a time when in our small town, not many people were from, not many kids mm-hmm. in my class anyway, were from a broken home. And now fast forward to today, there are so many friends of my youngest son who are teenagers. Mm-hmm living in a home where their parents are divorced. And I can honestly look them in the eye and say, I know just how you feel. And so if you were that person who moved cross country and found yourself in not only a new city, but a whole new state, mm-hmm. and you didn't know a soul and you remember that loneliness, go look for somebody that's like that and do something to make them feel encouraged and to make them feel wanted and included. Or maybe you were that mom who had a baby on your hip and, and a toddler on the other one, and you're going through the grocery store, and the baby's screaming, the toddler's grabbing <laughs> stuff off the shelf, climbing on the cart. You know, when you encounter a mom like that, don't roll your eyes and go, well, my children never acted like that. You know that they did. You know yeah. they did. And instead, you know, slip her a $10 bill and say, hang in there, mom. You're doing an important work. Swing by the drive-thru anyway home. Get yourself a latte and <laughs> a little snack for the kids so you can have some peace and quiet. And tell her yeah. she's good that, you know. Be on the lookout for your old self and do something to encourage them. I love that because it's, you know, it can feel intimidating to reach out to people who we see in need in. But man, if you're reaching out to people who you know that struggle personally and you know what they're feeling, then you also know exactly what they need in that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And that feels a lot less intimidating, I think. Yeah. Well, Karen, thank you so much for chatting with us. Um, listeners, you can find her book um, anywhere books are sold. It's called Reach Out, Gather In by Karen Eman. Thank you again, Karen. Thanks so much for having me. Sure thing. <laughs>